Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Julie Daniluk. She is a nutritionist, an anti-inflammatory expert, best-selling author, TV show host, and a public speaker. Welcome, Julie. How are you doing today? Oh, great. I'm just so honored, Brad, to be back with you because I know you are such a deep diver when it comes to <laughs> interviews. So I know we're going to go into some great areas today. Yes. So it lights me up. <laughs> I'm very honored and excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. Looking forward to jumping in. And with that being said, let's get started. Now, mm-hmm. Julie, that is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and quite a resume. How do you find the time for all of this? And how do you prioritize? And how important is prioritization and organization to you? I actually am not a great organizer. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I require okay. a personal assistant at this phase of my career. I do have a self-confessed ADHD. I was diagnosed at seven. So I'm a bit of a whirling dervish. But I will say that ADHD has a huge gift and it's the ability to juggle. It's the ability to keep many plates in the air with excitement. So if you lean into it and know that yeah. you need to be flanked by someone who can organize, then you're okay, right? So. Yeah. I have a lot of appointments to keep me on schedule where I'm oriented to my week. So I have a morning meeting and then I have a huge meeting on Fridays to do a huge wrap up. And I use this really great software called monday.com that allows me to create amazing to-do lists and then lists within those lists and an ability to assign it to teammates. And that has absolutely changed my life because before that there was balls that occasionally got dropped, but now everything's accounted for. So if you're someone like me who really needs that help. Check it out for sure. I have no Monday, affiliation. Monday.com? Yeah. Just okay. really thrilled to find a tool that works. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> now with you wearing so many hats, I'd love to know what your morning routine looks like. Oh yeah. Well, my morning routine is extremely precious to me because it's the way that I set myself up powerfully to give all day long. So if you don't fill your yeah. cup, how do you give all day. So my very first thing that I do is my dog jumps on my bed around 630 in the morning and <laughs> licks my face and walks and wakes me up. And I slowly give myself just a few minutes. So my dog is my alarm clock, so I don't need one. And I just have a love up session that boosts my oxytocin. And then I have a couple self-care routines, the scraping of the tongue, a little bit of gargling, 
all of those self-care things. And then I often will do one of the most important parts of my morning that I virtually never skip is a breathing and meditation practice. Because if I center myself, then the ADHD is just so much lower. And I'm not going to lie, like now that I embrace the nutrition that reduces ADHD, it's not like I have overt symptoms. I just notice my attention span and my ability to get stuff done is huge. So there's a great saying that Sting reiterated, which is if you give yoga 30 minutes, it'll give you an hour back in productivity. So I just want to remind people, everyone's, oh, I don't have time for that. Well, <laughs> if you don't have time for that, you got to make time for that because it's yeah. just something that will so enrich your life. So the stretching, the breathing, I'm now doing a very deep breathing practice for free diving because I'm an avid free diver. And that's amazing for my mental health. And the breathing practice, I now do really strong breathe ups for 15 minutes. And my breath holds are now up to three minutes and 24 seconds. Wow. I know that I used to have asthma as a kid. So again, don't ever Holy believe. Shit. Yeah, don't believe that you can't do something. If you dedicate 15 minutes a day to something, just 100 yeah. hours a year, you'll become better at any hobby you have than 85% of the planet. So it's so enriching. I heard that quote and I'm trying to remember who quoted it. I think it was Gary Vee. But I'm so okay. excited that in 15 minutes a day, you can... <laughs> learn a language you suck at. Like I'm terrible at French, but I have yeah. to learn French because I have so many French family members that I'm finally like, that's it. So 15 minutes <laughs> a day and I'm starting to be able to do it. So just wrap your head that's around incredible. it. Yeah. So that's incredible. 15 minutes a day is nothing. It is. It's nothing. It takes nothing. And if you have all these really fun energizers, so that's what a lot of my morning is built around because then after a really lovely dog walk, so I walk two kilometers in the morning and two kilometers in the evening with my dog and I sit down here. I'm always here at my desk by about 9 a.m. Yeah. And from there on out, I can give it 100% because I've already moved my body. I've already breathed and meditated. I've already got that mental space dialed in. And then my nutrition has to be high protein. So another thing now yeah. getting into the nutrition as a nutritionist, I used to be a vegetarian and it made me tired. It made me spacey. I had a lot of really bad symptoms. And as I've eliminated a lot of those foods that are really problematic, like the soy, the gluten. I had a couple nuts that were giving me a real hassle, almonds, peanuts, and I've dialed in what works for me. Oh my gosh. Now yeah. I start my day with a really big amount of protein, like turkey sausage or eggs with a nice green sauteed salad, something like that will make me feel so dialed in and able to work. Cause then I have to right now edit a book from front to back day in, day out. <laughs> oh, I have one week left <laughs> to submit this latest book and it's just requiring every ounce of focus. So all of that sets the tone for your days and, and you're ready to, to conquer the world and take on the day. Yeah. And it's it feels great when you can make the time. Now, if you're somebody who really can't do that much, maybe you start work at seven or eight, then you just have to calibrate your allowance for maybe doing some of those habits, but just hacking it down smaller. So maybe yeah. you take a brisk 500 meter walk, or maybe you right. try one of my favorite things is walking backwards because that massively creates huge neural net rewiring, increased stability, reduced knee pain. There's 20 reasons to walk backwards. And you're doing so much work that you don't need to walk kilometers. So, and if you're worried about outside, you can do it on a treadmill backwards. There's always a way around it. Well, thank you for that tip. Julie, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? 
I just believe wholeheartedly that we can age gracefully to 100. And when I help relieve someone's pain and suffering, it gives me such deep joy and satisfaction, so much deeper than a temporary pleasure that I am driven to give it my all because I have had absolute miracles present themselves to me regularly. That gives me so much faith that all of this is worth it and that that we can age gracefully. Now, you were on quite a different path before making the jump into the world of nutrition. What inspired your journey into that world of health and nutrition? And can you share a little bit about the path you were previously on? Sure. So I was an actress. I was being trained as a Shakespearean actress and had to wear corsets and have six-hour rehearsals. I was strict (laughs) vegan at the time, living on brown rice and tofu, thinking that was a good idea. And I was so anemic. I was so unhealthy that I was falling asleep on stage. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I was so embarrassed. I was in the middle of rehearsals for a really difficult play. And I had to lay down in the play at one point and look like a dead body. Like I, I was posing as a dead person and I fell asleep in rehearsal. And my director lost the plot in front of all of the other actors, just reaming me out saying, I'm never going to work. If we weren't so close to deadline, I'd fire you, like all this stuff. Wow. Right? And I was like, okay, I have to get this sorted. And I always knew I loved nutrition. I read more nutrition books than Shakespeare because I was vegetarian and trying to do it in a healthy way. But I made a call very quickly. After graduation, I was living on peanut butter sandwiches, touring Canada, doing the Fringe Festival, and just realized that I needed something to back me up and I needed to figure out my own health problems. So I went back to school and became a nutritionist. And then when I graduated, I decided to marry the two together because I had all the auditioning skills and all the acting skills and I had all the nutrition now. So I thankfully, I was pulled to audition for a great TV show called The Right Fit was my first TV show. And I was chosen and I just so grateful that ever since I've been able to, yeah, have that theatrical flair to my explaining nutrition to the world. <laughs> a very yeah. different way of yeah. sharing your, your nutritional <laughs> gifts with the world. I love it. I want to continue on this path here with you, with your work as a nutritionist and anti-inflammatory expert. We're constantly being bombarded with all of these fad diets, conflicting nutritional advice available to the public. How do you educate your clients on how to make informed decisions about their dietary choices and separate the fact from fiction? The big thing for me is to not rule out any option and to see that every single person will have a nutritional need as as unique as their fingerprint so that they actually need to dial in their food journaling and teaching them about intuition, teaching them about their food triggers what that feels like in their body, what to look out for. Also a great deal about emotional eating. So I went back to school again. So now I've had three runs at it. So I've (laughs) got nutrition. Then I went back to school to become obviously a chef. And now I've learned eating psychology. So being a trained eating psychology coach, a lot of what I do is explaining 
how to dismantle our food choices that are harming us. Why do we self-harm with food? Why do we eat stuff that is like literally sandpaper on our guts? Why do we do that? Why do we eat the entire bag of chips when it's one of the most inflammatory foods in the world? Why can't we stop eating at one scoop of ice cream? Why do we eat whole container (laughs) Container. oftentimes? (laughs) So that's a big piece for me is really coaching the person on that level that resonates with their authentic truth because it's different for every single person. For some people, for religious reasons, they're going to be very attached to vegetarianism. And I need to help them solve the five big nutritional deficiencies because vegetarians are often deficient in iron, zinc, protein, certainly deficient in omega-3. And they just have vitamin B12, extremely deficient. So five nutrients, what's your personal best for the macronutrients? Are you better on a high protein, lower carb menu? Does that resonate with you? Maybe you have a lot of brain inflammation. You've had a concussion or you have epilepsy. Maybe we need to dial the fat way up and have a lower amount of protein and lower amount of carbs. And maybe you're an elite athlete and you're somebody who feels fantastic on carbohydrate and you need to pull from uh, healthy carbs that are slow burning. So we're going to look at high insulin spiking carbs and the low carbs, the low insulin spiking carbs, and really dial in those low, the, what they call the low glycemic carbs or the glycemic okay. index is low. So you can see how there's so many ways yeah. I approach each person that I just, <laughs> okay, let's look at you as an individual. Holy cow. That's a lot. And I mean, with all of your training too, is obviously all of that is going to factor in and help you dial in what's right for your clients. So I think that's amazing. And nutrition is a field that's obviously continually evolving and there's new research and trends emerging all the time. How do you navigate this ever-changing landscape to provide accurate and up-to-date advice for your clients? One thing I didn't put into my morning routine that I have to confess, when I'm in the bathroom, I'm reading the nutrition journals. So I subscribe (laughs) to the big journals and they run into my feed every morning because I have to know what the latest is. And then I have to kind of look, because sometimes you'll have outlier studies. Oh, eggs are more dangerous than cigarette smoking. And then you tease it out and you realize that's a very biased study. And you want to look at, luckily being a nutritionist for 23 years, you kind of see the overarching reviews. I much prefer reviews because they aren't one study. They're looking at a larger subset of the population. And that allows us to have more of the truisms come to light. Because there are sort of one thing that I lean into is that the longest living human beings have a lot of things in common. And that's what I lean into is if the whole goal of this nutritional race that we're on is to help a person live the longest with the longest health span versus lifespan, we can now extend someone's life. But how long are they vibrant? How long are they free of disease? That is what we're really looking for. Because when I do large lectures, one of my first questions is how many people in the audience want to live to 100 years old? And only about 25% of people put their hand up because they're terrified. The 75% of the people are terrified of the last 10 years of their life because they've seen their mother, their grandmother, they've seen their grandfather, their uncles live such poor quality in the last 10 years that they just want to skip that part. And so I'm here to say we can have a long health span and we dial that in. And a huge part of that is what we eat. (laughs) So we need to lean into those foods. And there's kind of a 
a general overarching one. If you want to cover off my health span foods, I definitely have foods that I'm like, yes, we need to do that. But you might want to, you know, cover that later. <laughs> okay. Now you have the training in food psychology and how all of that plays in. So talk a little bit about emotional eating and its relationship with mental health. There are often overlooked aspects of nutrition. Can you share insights as to how our emotions impact our food choices and vice versa? And what advice do you have for individuals looking to build a healthy relationship with food? Oh, I love it. You're such a good interviewer. Okay. So <laughs> I just want to say- <laughs> Thank you. I just want to say that people- do every single action. I believe wholeheartedly after studying with some of the great psychologists, I believe that every single action we do, every single thing we do is to get a result. Even if it's negative, we're doing it as a call for help. We're doing it as a way to self-soothe or a way to shut down the feeling that we're having. What's weird is when I was young, there was only one girl in my high school who did cutting. It's a right. terrible thing. And now that practice of cutting yourself is on the rise in young people. And it's a devastating and heart aching self-harm technique. Now yeah. we have to look at the fact that a polite, legal way to cope with our anxiety, to cope with our anger, our disappointment in life is to self-soothe with food. And so often these foods are micro tearing ourselves up on the inside. And so that's what I help people see is I help them look at, okay, let's just do a brain dump of why are you eating this way? So I just invite the audience today to take out a piece of paper and write down when I'm binging, what am I feeling? Am I feeling like I want to run away from this? I want to numb. I want to punch a wall, but I'm going to eat this instead. You know how many yeah. people are acting out and they can't act out at their family. Maybe your young mom, they call it emotional labor, where when you have to act perfectly because you need to be an example for your children and they're spazzing out, flaking out, not cooperating, then you finally get them to bed. You've been holding their emotional labor all day long. And now when you're alone, oftentimes moms will overeat because it's one way to say, screw it. This is for me. This is my time. I get to act out. I get to rebel. I get to be a teenager. So there's so much in there that we really want to tease out. And then underneath that, people hate keeping a food journal. It's so funny. The reason why they hate it is because they actually have to put a mirror up to how they're feeling about what they eat and they yeah. don't want to see it. So, so often I'll have a person, they'll eat a half a box of cookies, but they'll put down three on their food journal because they don't <laughs> want to be honest with me about it. Yeah. But once we really get into it and they admit, you know what, I had a really bad food binge and they see that I don't shame them because food shaming is horrible and only going to drive them into secrecy. But instead I say, my goodness, you're human. And guess what? Thank you for not pulling out a strap and strapping your children. Thank you for not drinking a bottle of vodka. That's how a lot of people act out. And you're using something that only hurts you. So you're just doing the best you can with the skills you came in with. Because maybe when you were having a rough day, your grandma used to slip you a lollipop or used to make you an ice cream sandwich. And that's how you cope. So if we really do a ton around the forgiveness of 
our conditioning, then we can jump into looking at foods in a different way and building a love relationship with food. So I really help them find a whole bunch of foods that feel like a treat, but don't throw them under the bus. (laughs) (laughs) And then we lean into them more and more. And then the food journals get more honest and more healthy. And then I see breakthroughs typically within a month where people are starting to really- you can see breakthroughs quickly. The thing is like people will have relapses and they forget that food is their addiction. And then they're like, screw it. I fell off the wagon. That's it. I'm done. And I'm like, no, you're on a live it. You're not on a diet anymore. You're on a live it for the rest of your life. I love that. That is journeying towards wellness. And this, you just live it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You just get up and keep going. Right. (laughs) That's a great term. I've never heard that before. That's amazing. Well, thank you. I love it. <laughs> I, I I love it. I'm so glad that you love it. <laughs> yes. Of course, in today's crazy, busy world, hustle culture, bullshit mentality, many people, of course, struggle with maintaining a healthy diet due to time constraints or budget limitations or even conflicting information, as we've briefly talked about. What practical strategies or tips can you offer to help individuals overcome these barriers and achieve sustainable dietary changes. The funny thing is, is the most expensive food on the planet is junk food. So if you really take a bag of chips, that's 100 grams and it's five bucks and you do the math on that, that makes those potatoes $50 a pound. Holy shit. So we never thought about it that way. We really need to start thinking about nutrition and what each actual gram of nutrition is costing us instead of what a gram of food is costing us. Because we actually need very little food and it can be affordable because most people are carrying around more calories than they need. Let's just put it that way. We have more calories than we need. So we don't actually need to have massive amounts of food. So when we get to the nutrients, then we need to look for the highest nutrient foods. So for example, can you get any sort of seeds going that's super, super cheap? So sunflower seeds are ridiculous ridiculously cheap. Pumpkin seeds, very affordable. Can Those are ridiculously high in nutrition. Eggs, I know that they've gone up, but let's face yeah. it, they're still about 75 cents an egg. There's yeah. actually not going to be any more nutrition delivered to you that has all the B vitamins and all the protein and everything you need than an egg. And I know a lot of people are scared of cholesterol. I'm not scared of a boiled egg. I'm scared of deep fried eggs on bacon on toast. That's what I'm nervous <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> we need to think about that. But a boiled egg, no problem because the lipids are protected. Did you know that when we don't oxidize the cholesterol, we're not creating negative low density lipoproteins in our own body? Because people okay. forget that the cholesterol you eat, only 20% of the cholesterol you eat actually influences your cholesterol levels because your cholesterol is made in your liver. So you can really decrease your personal cholesterol by getting rid of white sugar and white flour. And when we look at white sugar, white flour foods, they provide absolutely nothing for you. So if you take all of those out of your menu, if you're really strapped, let's look at people who live really low in food supply. We go to India we look at a sadhu, like my uncle is actually living in India as a sadhu, and they live on mung beans mm. and their food's costing about the Canadian equivalent of a dollar a day. 
Wow. Because they are dialing in wild plants, like foraging. Like I forage for dandelions. I love the fact that the backyard is filled with foods. Like I'm strolling through my neighbor's backyard, quickly walking my dog, and I realize that they let 95% of their mulberries fall to the ground. They don't pick them. So can I make an arrangement with them? There's a great program in Toronto. I think it's called Not Far From The Tree or something. And it's a program where people who are lower income can actually link in to people who've given permission for their apple trees to be picked, their cherry trees, their raspberry bushes, all of that. And it's so great because from the second we have warm weather, you can start harvesting until the snow flies. So it's so cool that we do have those. And then there's wonderful programs. Like one of my favorites is called Food Share, where they provide lower-income households with produce delivery. And then there's the Stop that provides foods that have been shuttled from restaurants that are still perfectly good. So giving people a fresh food option, because that's the sad thing with the food bank is often it's just canned food, right? So just giving people more ideas that there is a way around it. And when when the dreaded pandemic happened, I started learning everything I could about foraging wild plants because when we have food shortages, there's always something to eat to provide those B vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin C. If you know what to look for, it can be very safe. I'm curious though, there are a lot of people, and I'm self-admittedly one of them, I'm a very fussy eater. So I don't eat eggs. I don't like eggs. I don't like the texture. So how easy or difficult is that part of your job for you? Because I'm sure you come across people who are fussier eaters than others. How do you deal with that? Do you mind muffins? Is that something you can eat? Muffins? I like muffins, yeah. Great. So we're just going to hide those eggs in the muffin. I'm going to use coconut (laughs) flour instead of dreaded almond flour, which is ridiculously expensive. Coconut flour is dirt cheap. I'm going to show Uh you a recipe that you can throw together in 15 minutes that uses coconut flour and eggs, some sunflower seeds ground up, and some cinnamon. And you're going to have an amazing product that tastes heavenly. So there's always a way around it. Like after 23 years, I see kids and they're super tasters. They have twice the taste buds of a normal child. And we have to hide everything, right? It's okay. (laughs) They love ketchup. Fine. We're going to give them salsa ground up in the blender and we're going to throw one sweet vegetable they can't taste in there like squash. I'm going to hide it behind the tomato sauce. Okay. There's their vitamin A because they're not going to get anywhere else, right? Because they won't eat greens. So there's ways. That's how I get it into kids or into people. (laughs) I shouldn't say kids. Everybody, everyone. (laughs) They're just big kids. And I invite you to kind of open your mind to unpack what is it about food that you're fussy about so that we can move you from I'm fussy to I'm looking for the nutrients for my wellness, like a a nice acronym. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Let's a new affirmation. Now, inflammation is often associated with various health conditions and you being an anti-inflammatory expert. Can you explain the relationship between inflammation and nutrition and how dietary choices can impact our overall inflammatory response? Absolutely. So if you just look at what people are dealing with today, we have one in five people. Let's just look at some stats for a second. One in five people suffer from arthritis. One in five people have IBS, but 40% of people 
report a chronic digestive condition. 40% of humanity. Wow. And this is a global stat that I just pulled from a 73,000 person study. We now realize- huge. It's huge. And what's the biggest input? Your food is the biggest interaction to the gut lining. So it's either an irritant or it's a bomb, a -A B-A-L-M bomb. It's a soothing bomb or it's an irritant. One in 10 people now have diabetes. And one Holy in, shit. Yeah. One in two men and one in three women will have heart disease in their lifetime. And one in three people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And now we realize that, is that staggering. Yeah, crazy statistics, all inflammatory conditions. And all of them, they are saying the biggest factor that you have control over is your nutrition. Because when we look at epigenetics, that's your genes are a loaded gun and your choices, your lifestyle, pull the trigger or leave the gun loaded. So if you have Alzheimer's in your genes, you carry the ApoE4 gene, for example, and you have a bad allele of that and you're dealing with the high potential, like you might've heard that the beautiful Chris Hemsworth is carrying a double allele. Both sides of the family have Alzheimer's. So his potential of it is exponential. So he went and did this incredible documentary everyone has to watch called Limitless. I absolutely love it. My favorite thing this year. And it is about how he's trying to make a huge difference on his potential of developing this, even though the cards are stacked against him. He's doing everything nutritionally and lifestyle to turn those genes silent so that the gun is never fired. And that's what I do. I teach people how to hold their genetics in suspension so the gun is never triggered. Those statistics are staggering. That is horrible. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that is why so many people are in pain. Wow. If you add all those up, it's a very painful end of life yeah, for a lot of people. That and is. That's why. That... And I had a lot of it in my own life, like heart to, like my grandparents and we've got one that, yeah, cancer, one with heart disease. It's just crazy. Yeah. And then I had an outlier. I had a grandmother who followed Dr. Paul Bragg and did fasting since she was 30, 40 years old and did a tremendous amount of nutrition. And she lived to 94 and she probably would have made it to 100, but she uh, just had a choking hazard happen. But honestly, I believe wholeheartedly when I saw how her sisters aged, that she truly held aging at bay. She was absolutely beautiful. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, so you can do it. It is possible. Mm-hmm. It's just about educating yourself and putting the right foods into your body. Yeah, absolutely. Now, aside from the obvious culprits like sugary beverages, fast food, are there any surprising or lesser known foods that can significantly contribute to inflammation? And on the other side of that, are there any underrated superfoods or ingredients that mm-hmm. have anti-inflammatory properties? Sure. So I'm going to start with low-hanging fruit here. It may be (laughs) not a surprise to people, but people give themselves a free pass. They give themselves a free pass on tortilla chips, on potato chips oftentimes, and french fries. How many meals out do you have a side of sweet potato fries, right? Oh, I'm getting the healthier option. But let's just (laughs) walk you through why this is one of the most inflammatory foods on the planet. So you take a carbohydrate, any carb, whether it be corn or wheat or potato, any of these that are popular, you slice it nice and thin and you drop it into extremely hot 
frying oil. So there you've got a frying oil that's genetically modified, that is overheated, that has omega-3 that is now oxidized in it, and that is causing profound inflammation on its own. But when you take the carb and fry it in that oil, you're creating this toxin called acrylamide, and acrylamide is extremely harmful for you. So when people eat these foods and they're like, oh, yeah, I just have some digestive woes, I overate the fries, I had a poutine, no big deal... No, it's a huge deal. Actually, your body is yelling on many fronts. So there's that one. And then when we go to sugar deep fried, so my big one is donuts. I think if I was to pick a food that is the most inflammatory food on the planet, it would be a donut, which is hilarious. Really? Yeah, because (laughs) you're taking white flour and you're Mm. taking sugar inside that. And then you're deep frying it into extremely high frying oil. And then you're often yeah. stuffing it with a really high injection of dairy. So you just got like an inflammatory soup going on there. It's extremely harmful for you. So another one that people give a big free pass on is the barbecue. It's so funny because I have a lot of nutritionist friends and we get together for these huge potlucks and barbecuing is still so popular for them. And when they come to my house, they're kind of bummed. Like they bring their stuff to barbecue and they're like having to put it in the oven and they're asking me, why don't you have a barbecue? And I'm like... Are you kidding? (laughs) When you take a piece of meat with a sugary sauce on it and you drop it onto a grill, you're creating these insane toxins called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons that are truly causing cancer. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, there isn't a study that comes out that doesn't go, whoa, stop with the, the crazy barbecue because all of the smoking, it's we've stopped smoking, but now we eat our smoke. What's up with that, right? (laughs) So there's two really low-hanging fruit that's included. Yes, sugar is extremely inflammatory. So I personally don't ever drink cola. I, I don't believe that it's a good idea to have candy or white sugar of any kind. So those are the big ones that most people, of course, but those ones might be in your blind spot. The last one that might be in totally your blind spot, microwave popcorn. Everyone thinks it's a health food. Mm. A lot of people think it's a health food. It's, oh, well, I'm not eating chips. And I'm like, okay, so you're now taking standard genetically modified oftentimes, but a corn that's grown with glyphosate and you're popping it in really harmful oil with artificial butter flavoring in a microwave. (laughs) And this, and my favorite is people take the bag and they rip it open and they stick their nose in it and they breathe in that artificial (laughs) butter oil, not understanding that there's studies showing that the people who work in the factories are now suing as a class action suit because inhaling that butter flavoring is so harmful to your health. So please, please, if you love popcorn and you must have it, it's so easy to just get those $20 popcorn poppers and make it easily, but get away from the deep, the crazy canola oil microwave popcorn, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's the, the couple that might be in people's blind spot. <laughs> wow. My mind is just taking all this in and holy information <laughs> overload this morning. <laughs> I am kind of doing the master download. I had a really good weekend with a close friend of mine. Well, we went into very deep conversations. I think it's influencing me today. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
certain diets, such as the Mediterranean diet or plant-based eating, as you can attest to, are often associated with reducing inflammation. Can you discuss the scientific basis behind these dietary approaches and why they seem to have anti-inflammatory effects? So I now love to call this unique association between the Mediterranean and Asia as Mediterranean cuisine. Okay. So you'll see a lot of mashups in my recipes. Because there's sort of blue zones, as we know, across the planet of people who live the longest, and they all have nutritional things in common. They all have very good amounts of omega-3 in their menu. And you'll see that through okay. the Mediterranean and Asia. Of course, Japan is like loaded with good quality fish. And then you'll see, and of course, Greece and Italy. I mean, the longest living people are often from Italy, from the island of Sardinia, that literally translates to the island of sardine people. <laughs> Sardinia. So we need to remember like sardines, herring, anchovies, those tiny little fish are helping people live longer, no question, because they're low in toxins and extremely high in omega-3, which thins your blood, reduces inflammation, helps you stay smarter because it fuels brain cells. So, so many reasons why it's helpful. And then when we get to the fact that they also have a tremendous amount of minerals, because a lot of these people are living in volcanic soil on islands that have better nutrition because a lot of produce grown in North America, because we've been farming the middle of the country for so long, the nutrition in the soil has dropped up to 40%. So we see up to 40% less selenium, 40% less magnesium, minerals that are critical for longevity. So if we can really think, okay, how do I get those minerals back up? Well, Maybe once a week, instead of having a standard salad, I'll have a dandelion salad, which is ridiculously high in nutrition. Instead of having standard tea, I'll have a nettle tea, which has ridiculously amount of minerals. So just making those little switches like they do in the Mediterranean. I mean, if I think of Greece, one of my favorite longevity places on the planet, they make this dish called horta, which is boiled greens and they use mountain greens so they're literally taking the dandelions and taking the endive and these are bitter greens that are so good for you they help promote bioflow and that's why you should definitely consider getting more dense with your food more nutritious with your food so that every calorie counts yeah. we have enough calories on our body we now just need yeah. to fill in the vitamins and the minerals to burn those calories off your body as fuel. And that's the problem is most people are overfed and undernourished. As an, a nutritionist and anti-inflammatory expert, you likely encounter clients with unique dietary needs or restrictions. How do you personalize nutritional advice and recommendations to accommodate different individuals while still promoting an anti-inflammatory lifestyle? So I just get them to submit their food journal. I beg them to be honest with their food journal. I say, yeah. can you please submit three days of exactly what you're eating? Don't change a thing. Don't eat healthier. Please don't eat healthier because I need to know my baseline of what I'm working right. with. And then I obviously get any allergies. Hey, do you have any food allergies? Do you have any issues regarding profound aversions? Like you have an aversion to eggs, so I'm going to have to hide yeah. them. And then we go to work trying to design a personalized menu plan. So that's why working with me isn't a dollar forty nine anymore because there's no cookie cutter solution. We can spend up right. to five hours trying to figure out what this person's going to wow. eat. Yeah, totally. But it's worth it because what the person's left with is a choose your own adventure. 
I yeah. hate giving menu plans that are rigid that say, okay, on Tuesday at five o'clock, you're going to have a chicken breast. Forget that. 95% <laughs> of people will never follow it. So why yeah. that, right? It's I'm going to give you give them options. options of foods. I'm going to say, eat this anytime. Try on these mm. recipes that have been selected for you. And we'll see how it goes. So you give them recipes, the whole gamut, like everything. Yeah. These are the foods we need to focus on. This is what needs to change. And yeah. here are recipes for you totally. to play with and try. Totally. Okay. And luckily, I've created over 600 recipes. So it's very Holy easy Holy shit. And I have special software Six? now that allows me to do yeah. this. So if some, like for okay. you, I would say, like I could say if you were allergic to eggs, like no eggs. And then it would just knock right. out all the recipes with eggs. That's and that incredible. way I, I like someone has a, an allergy to almonds. I just knock out every yep. recipe that contains almonds. Okay. Yeah. So it's really nice. I've cataloged them. It made six, over 600 recipes. I love it. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm a weirdo that way. I just, well, I just that's t- That's it. a ton of research. I mean, that's yeah, a I, lot I, of time. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just 20 years. Just 20 years. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I swear you can do anything. I now believe you can do absolutely anything unless you at 80 want to run in the Olympics. That might be challenging, but you could run yeah. the senior Olympics. Like I just saw there you go. the senior Olympics where some 90 year olds were doing the 50 meter race. And I'm like, that's my goal. That's my goal. That's I'm gonna incredible. Be in the, I'm a terrible runner. I'm going to be in the, the senior <laughs> 90. I might do well. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I've seen clips of you on your social media feed exposing different food brands you find in the grocery store for their ingredients. And I always laugh when I see those videos. <laughs> and in particular, one comes to mind, and that was Hostess Twinkies. Yeah. Man. In the listed ingredients on the box, propylene glycol, which yes. is antifreeze or engine coolant. And I mean, and that's just one type of food that has this stuff. If you could call that stuff food, I'm sure there are a ton more out there on our grocery store shelves. And we don't even know this. Why and how my mind was fucking blown when I watched that video clip of you talking about that. How is this even allowed or possible to be used in our foods? And also, what is the way forward in putting a stop to, to things like this? How do- we are, like, as a nutritionist posse, we are we are lobbying our MPs and MPPs and whatever you have in the States, just consider your politicians, are in charge of letting these horrible food-like facsimiles continue. And for example, I was so excited to see that Smarties, I mean, I'm never advocating Smarties, but I, I appreciate that they've removed red dye number 40 from their ingredient list because I don't think they did in the States. I actually have to check whether, because every country has a different way to go. But I have right. to, before I say that, I need to double check that. I need to fact okay. check that. But here in Canada, I believe the red dye number 40 was removed from Smarties because of activist groups reaching out and saying, we need to ban this because it's made from petroleum. Holy and it's causing shit. children to have asthma and ADHD symptoms and violent outbursts. We need to get this off the market. We are poisoning our children with a neurotoxin that causes brain inflammation. And then we expect them to sit still and be cooperative after they've had that on their recess at school. Yeah. And then we blame the child for their hyperactivity. Yeah. So I'm a huge, obviously, advocate to get rid of this stuff because I myself was saved by a mother who got me off food diet seven. So I didn't really get into that story. So I'll keep it super brief. Just know that when I was yeah, seven, yeah, go ahead. 
they realized I had ADHD and my mom did a lot of research because she didn't want to put me on Ritalin because she realized Ritalin was an extreme stimulant. So it's so funny that it's such a strong stimulant, it makes the child crash. So it crashes your nervous system. That's what keeps the child focused is that they're so overstimulated, their body can't handle that level of stimulation. So by giving your child a stimulant their entire childhood, what do they have left in the tank by the time they're 30? Nothing. Oftentimes they have inflammatory issues because they've had this drug in their system for so long. So that's why I'm so grateful to my mom because now I can use coffee in a pinch and focus my mind like a natural ADHD drug. But thank goodness if I had abused it, who knows, right? So she got me off of red dye through the work of Dr. Feingold, who had a book called You're a Hyperactive Child back in 1977 and changed my life. So I was able to sleep. I was able to function in school. I was able to go from D's to straight A's. So I'm a huge believer that we have to help children get to natural colors because artificial colors and artificial preservatives like BHT and some of these horrible preservatives are causing so much of the behavior problems in children today and learning problems, learning disabilities, I, I really think are increased because my grades improved so substantially. So please give it a try. If you're a parent out there, please look for those natural alternatives because let's face it, we don't need yellow dye, which is terribly no. inflammatory. There's a, a name for it and it's going to come to me. <laughs> it will come back to me, but Yellow dye is just naturally substituted with turmeric and red dye is now just naturally substituted with beet powder. There's natural equivalents. You don't need petroleum. It boggles. How is this? How are these things even allowed into the food? Yeah, it's tartrazine is yellow dye. (laughs) (laughs) How was it ever allowed into the food? It's like back in the turn of the century when you could stick lead and lipstick. They didn't think about these toxins, but then they were allowed to stay in, which is so shocking. Uh, It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Propylene glycol. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) That's Uh, scary shit. Yeah, I know. It's wild. That's actually that's poison. Like, that's actually not as harmful as some of them out there. There's worse. What is one of the worst ones you know of that you've seen? Aluminum and baking powder is really bad for you. That's like really <laughs> could contribute to your brain. But red dye number 40 is horrendous. Like I will definitely stick by that one. And BHT is harmful. There's so many of them. So many people react to polysorbate 80 and they don't realize they are, which is causing a lot of digestive woes. There's, it's just like a huge host of them. I want to do a show called Busted, where all I do is stand outside the grocery store all day long and just educate everybody. And I think I would watch that. I would watch that. That would be entertaining as hell. Okay. I'm going to go do that. I think you need to, Julie. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) That would be a great show. I don't know if the grocery stores would be too happy about it. I know. I'm going to have to rotate grocery stores. I'm going to have to do it well as style. I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I want to speak a little bit about your journey into the world of becoming an author. Now, we've, as mentioned, you're an international best-selling author. I would love to speak a little bit about the books that you wrote. I know there's a few of them. Can you tell us a little bit about them? The titles, subject matter, obviously, is to do with nutrition and health. But yeah, sure. So, first one's called Meals to Heal Inflammation, and I'm about to do a second edition of that, and it'll be totally updated. That was my first book, and and that one's the international bestseller. It's it's even got a special British edition, and it's such an honor that one's been published so many times. And then moving on to Slimming Meals That Heal, which is 
the hormonal connection to weight gain and how we can turn it around with anti-inflammatory nutrition. And then the third book is called The Hot Detox, which is how to detox every single organ system, your liver, your lymph, your kidneys, your bowels, using the power of nutrition. And that one's extremely popular because people just love learning about all the nutrition you need to run every pathway. There's a lot of nutrients you need to run your liver correctly. And a lot of people are missing a couple nutrients that make their liver back up. And with a stagnant liver, a ton of health problems end up happening. So that one's so fun. I love that one. And then moving on to Becoming Sugar Free, which I find really interesting because I think it's my best written book. And I think it's my most emotionally connected book because it's a lot about the emotional eating piece. But a lot right. of people are confronted by that book. And I notice no one ever gives it to other people because you don't want to judge someone and say, you need to go sugar free here, get this yeah. book, you know? So that book, I think, kind of came out at a difficult time. It came out mid-pandemic. Okay. And so it didn't take traction quite the same way, only because I think nobody was ready to let go of sugar in the middle of such a horribly emotional time. But right. now I hope that people get that balancing your blood sugar is the number one way you can improve your health and let go of inflammation. So I love that book. And, and the recipes are amazing. They're just so delicious and give you so many options. I give you 30 different sweeteners in that book. So I show you the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you have great sweeteners like monk fruit, which helps to balance your blood sugar. And then you've got really harmful sweeteners like aspartame, which they've now proven beyond a shadow of a doubt causes cancer or contributes to it's It's a carcinogen. It contributes yes. to cancer. I can't say it causes cancer, but can, right, can right. contribute to your potential of getting cancer. All four of these books, do they all have recipes in them? All of them. It's so funny. I created okay. a formula of info in the front and recipes in the back, and then everyone wanted that. So all yeah. of them are half cookbook, half deep dive into the science. Awesome. Of food. Yeah. Well, we'll put the links in Thanks. the show notes when the episode's released for the books. Absolutely. Great. Now, you're also a TV show host, and you do a lot of media appearances, obviously, to help educate people on nutrition. Can you speak a little bit about your TV show? Tell us about it and some of the sure. bigger or more memorable media appearances. Oh, yeah. Well, I love the show Healthy Gourmet, which is where I bust people in their homes for what they're eating. <laughs> and then we cook the world's healthiest version of whatever they love. So the world's healthiest pizza or the world. And I think one of my favorite episodes of that was I'm going to probably dial into cooking on the open range with a cowboy who lived on beans and pork. <laughs> and we went foraging for asparagus and we cooked right there with his cows all around him. And it was super fun. So I think that's one of my favorite jobs of all time. It's just been such yeah. an honor, such a joy. And that's why I'm like, I need to get back to doing Busted, but I think I'll do it at the grocery store because <laughs> yeah. I could do more velocity. So I think I've got a yes. good idea now. Thank you. I love it. That is awesome. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you do, Julie? The transformations. Yeah. Absolutely. I decided to invest the money and time into doing a full, we now have a, a full case report like a study of the anti-inflammatory menu and how it impacts people. So we took a group through the 100-day transformation program and we were able to see just tremendous results. So there are a 50% overall when we averaged it out. It was it was funny that it was 50% reduction in 
a marker of inflammation called C-reactive protein. And we also okay. saw two other markers come significantly down and then an average of 36 pounds lost. And when you see wow. that, it's just so satisfying to know that now we yeah. have scientific validity because I kept seeing it over and over, like people's triglycerides plummet and people feel so much better. But you want to be able to actually put numbers to it and see what's possible so that then yeah. you can go to new clients and say, listen, I know this is our benchmark. I know this is possible for you. So let's gun for this. And it gives yeah. them a lot more inspiration to keep going. Love it. Now on the flip side of that coin, what is one of the most challenging parts of the work you do? I think it's sad when people give up on themselves because they often don't give it enough time to understand that nutrition, you need a number of runs to make a change in your habit. So if your habit is to hit a a fast food place on the way home from work. And then one day after eating really well for 10 days on the program, you end up going to a fast food place and then you just don't call me anymore. You just don't check in yeah. with me. And I'm like emailing you and someone goes dark. I just get so sad because yeah. I'm like, man, their relationship with food was so present to be shifted and they just need to give themselves the gift of change the gift of yeah. transformation, the gift of finding a healthier way to move through the world and find new ways of coping. Because what people don't understand is there's 50 ways to change your feelings. You don't need food. There's so many amazing techniques like that we get people to try on and just see which ones stick. Not everyone breathes yeah. like I do, but maybe they will love a movement class. That's something you can do in 15 minutes at home. So I'm always trying to be like, are you a singer? Let's really sing at the top of our lungs. What works for you, right? There you go. I'm not going to keep going, but I just want people to know that I try never to give up and just to let people know that I'm amazed how a year later, someone will say, I wasn't ready, but I'm ready now. So it's never too late. Yeah. Never too late. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? You absolutely cannot do this for the money. I think what might surprise people is even though I've done television and I have four best-selling books, you don't make a lot per year. It's not a huge financial boom, but it's extremely gratifying and soul-fulfilling. So if you like the income of a school teacher, then this is a great career for you because <laughs> it's, it's about that, right? If you love teaching. Yeah. And you love just being the lighthouse for people to come into safe harbor, then by all means, that's great. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Articulating difficult scientific literature, digesting it, distilling it down into fun analogies that help people understand it and actually enjoy learning nutrition for the first time. That's definitely a superpower, 100%. <laughs> Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Freedom. For me, I have a very different definition. If I'm free to take a day off, if I'm free to pursue my passions, if I'm free to connect with my loved ones, then I'm already successful. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I think the biggest thing that I learned through therapy is that I get to choose how I react. And before I was a hyper reactive person who used a lot of crutches that were destructive. And then after I learned that and worked on letting go of a lot of my trauma, I was able to be present in the moment and enjoy life so much more. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? My excitement. 
<laughs> I'm just excited by a lot of things, you know, and that sort of zest for life, which is, I think, straight from my ADHD mind, just allows yeah. me to keep going when many people would find things boring or too difficult. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment means you choose. Yeah, you you are in control of your choices. And that is so empowering to know that. I love yeah. it. There's always a choice. We always, always. have a choice. And every minute we actually have a sliding door. So it's yeah. never too late. I've seen people at yeah. 80 transform their health. That's encouraging. That really is. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next sure. grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Sure. How would you describe yourself in one word? I already used it though. Excited. Um, <laughs> I guess compassionate, probably compassionate. compassionate. What is your favorite self-care practice? Deep breathing. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My ability to connect the dots. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? That they are powerful beyond measure. <laughs> that they have. Can... That yeah. Go oh, ahead. No, no. Go I, ahead. I realized okay. where it's, it's rapid fire. That's my rapid fire. <laughs> You're powerful beyond measure, people. <laughs> if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? A loving meal. <laughs> <laughs> if you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Ah, uh, live it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Thank you. <laughs> you rocked it. You did great, Julie. <laughs> What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Do not be scared to pivot. There was a couple times in my life, like I owned a health food store, one of the largest in Canada, cooperatively owned it for, with 65 different people. And it was such a good gig that it felt like I was in a womb. And I threw myself out of that experience and moved into television. And it was terrifying at the time. But if I didn't do that, none of this would have happened. And so I just want to remind you, if you think like you have to have that day job because you're highly successful in it, if it is not feeding you, then I know that regret is one of the largest things that people at the end of their life deal with. And so really try to look at your career with the lens of, will I regret this in 20 years? And if the answer is yes, then allow yourself to move into a new career because it's so exciting when you hit one that fills you on many levels. And that's what it's really about is finding that thing that makes your soul sing, right? Yeah. That's totally. that's what we're here for. And I can see that's what this podcast does for you. Absolutely. This is my life's mission, my purpose. It Nothing has ever set my soul on fire like this work. And when you find that thing that makes your soul sing, there's nothing better than that. It's the most incredible feeling in the world. Great. I love it. What is your why? If I was to get really deep for a moment, I think it's to relieve suffering. I just see so much suffering in the world. And I know it doesn't have to be that painful, that we can move through it, and that there's so much golden white light on the other side of the darkness. So if we yeah. can let ourselves move through it, it's, it's so worthwhile. So that's why I do what I do. Yeah. That's a big responsibility, Julie. <laughs> that's huge. Well, food is the first comfort we get from our mother when we're born, right? And if we don't have a mother yeah. or if we're bottle fed, it doesn't matter. It's the one way that we soothe ourselves. And so no wonder people are addicted to ice cream because it's the closest thing to human breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. If you could step into my shoes, what question would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Hmm. 
Wow, it's such a good question. Gosh, is there any stone left unturned? This is the <laughs> deepest interview I've ever done, and can't believe it's only 75 minutes long. <laughs> I think there's one confession that I'll say, which is like, Julie, has there ever been a food you've been wrong on? And I'll be like, hell yeah. Recently, doing my extreme nutrition dives, I, I found this whole breadth of work on the dangers of oxalates. And no one's even heard of an oxalate, but it's a plant compound that can cause inflammation. And it, it's in a couple of superfoods. It's in spinach, rhubarb, unfortunately, chocolate, chia seeds, a couple doozies that everyone loves and everyone holds up as the most amazing thing. And so I was really resistant. And then my sister's also a fellow practitioner and we did a no oxalate a couple weeks just to test it out. And we had such profound results that we had to admit that there's something to this conversation that's brand new. And I go, oh, I've been so wrong. And then you get embarrassed because you have so many spinach recipes, right? And then yeah. you go, we have to remember that nutrition is the youngest of the sciences, that every year we find out so much new information that we just have to forgive ourselves that we didn't know. The nutritionists of the 80s didn't know that removing fat would cause extreme hormonal imbalances. We now understand that fat is a critical macronutrient that everyone needs. So similarly here, I really get that we just have to forgive ourselves. But I guess that's just one thing you would never think to ask is, is there anything that you've been dead wrong about? Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's my confession of the day. Right. Nutritionists well, will always have something that we're evolving on. And I'm so grateful yeah. for a chance to fix and tinker and provide the best and the latest. But yeah. thank you. This has been the best uh, interview I've had in an extremely long time. So thanks Thank for being you. you. I'm, I'm honored. I appreciate that. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the past year? I was very resistant to music. I used to feel stupid when I played music because I felt so bad at it. And then I tried the really? 15. Yeah, I, tried, I, I never played a note of music. And then at 50 years old, my nephews gave me a ukulele because they're all musicians. Yeah. And I said, darn it, I'm going to apply the 15 minutes a day rule. And now I can play six songs a year later. Awesome. And if I ever <laughs> knew that I, I could do this. So it really proves again, just try it. Just try 15 minutes a day. You can be a hack, not great yeah. or a genius. But yeah, you can yeah. become good at just about anything. And I, and I want to leave people with that. That is beautiful. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Definitely Oprah. Definitely, yeah. because what people may not know is my big career break was on the Oprah Winfrey Network, and it, it was just such a, a game changer to be invited to be part of her circle. And then yeah. that led me to getting on the Dr. Oz show because they pull from that pool of experts. So I'm just so grateful to her, and I believe she's so authentic, and she's one of the best interviewers in the world and full of compassion. So it would make my life to have, <laughs> yeah. have one conversation with this person. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, man. Forgive yourself. You don't have to be perfect to be loved. I was that very hard huge. on myself. And learning that forgiveness is a very hard thing to learn. It's a tough lesson. 
Sure is, man. It's great turning 50. We care less about that. You care yeah. less about yeah. what people think and you just, just do what you do. And I would definitely say that to my younger self. Yeah. So little of this matters. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so little matters. Things. Yeah, yeah totally. for sure. Lastly, Julie, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Is there a possibility that you look at everything through the lens of, is this loving myself? Because if you choose to look through the lens of, is this a loving act? Is this loving myself or is this hurting myself? So I want you to look down at the plate of food you're eating right now and ask yourself one filter question. Is this food for self-love or is this food for self-harm? Because if you start to nurture what is loving you, your body heals itself from the inside out. And that's really the only thing you need to intuit the foods. Because if we move past our cravings into our true needs, then we start to build up our body in such a beautiful way. And you're worth it. That's the biggest thing I want to leave people with is you're so worth it. You have so much to give the world. You're so unique. And therefore, you need to fuel your brain in order to deliver what you're meant to come here to do. Your purpose on this planet needs to be fueled by these beautiful self-love practices. So go Beautifully go said. It. Thank you so much, Julie. This has been an absolute honor and pleasure having the opportunity to sit down and speak with you. You are an incredibly inspirational human being, woman, and soul. And thank you for sharing all of your incredible wisdom and knowledge that you've acquired over the 20 plus years you've been doing this work. Thank you for sharing that with us here today. I appreciate you and I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through all the work that you do and all the people that you help. Thank you, Brad. I really care about you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I care about you too, Julie. Thank you so much. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Julie Daniluk. She is a nutritionist, an anti-inflammatory expert, a best-selling author, a TV show host, and a public speaker. Thank you so much, Julie. I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day. You too. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.